This, this, this is you. K U T. K U T. Austin. Stop. I used to get. Hello, and welcome to Higher Ed, KUT's podcast focusing on issues of higher education, lifelong learning, and exercising the brain. I'm Jennifer Staten with KUT 90.5, Austin's NPR station, talking as always with Dr. Ed Berger, president of Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas. Hello, Ed. Hello, Jennifer. And it's so good to be in your studios, even though you're wearing black and gold. I always try to wear black and gold on the days we tape, no matter where we're taping, whether it's at KUT (laughs) or at Southwestern. I try to keep the school spirit going. I love you. Hey, can you do me a favor next time that I come into your KUT studio? What is that? Could you send a memo? Do you have a, the ability to send a memo to everyone? Or, sure. Okay. Just have them all wear black and gold, gold <laughs> the days that I come here. It would be nice because I'm looking at our producer, David. He's not. He's not no, he's, he's shaking not, his yeah, head he's no. His no, so. <laughs> That'd be nice. Well, Ed, you forwarded me a really interesting column from a publication called The Chronicle of Higher Education. And I don't know, I imagine a a fair number of our listeners are familiar with that because it's all about higher education. But that column was called The Rise of the Promotional Intellectual, which I thought was a fascinating title. It's written by Jeffrey J. Williams. He's a professor of English at Carnegie Mellon University. And I'm not going to read all of it. I just want to read a couple of sentences so that folks can get a flavor. And I will link to that on the website also so that people can read it. But he wrote a column, just a few little snippets from it. The main tasks of a professor are to teach and do research. Now it seems a new task has been added to the job, promotion. We are urged to promote our classes, our departments, our colleges, our professional organizations. More than anything, we are directed to promote ourselves. And he talks about sort of what that is like in academia now. Our cultural, academic, and otherwise need independent criticism now more than ever, when otherwise it follows the dictates of our corporate sponsors. So a concern that what used to be sort of the critical role of academia has now sort of become a nicey-nice role more and more about promoting work. And I'm curious, you sent the column to me as a possible topic for discussion. So I'm curious to get your thoughts if you feel like there is more of a promotional push and culture within academia. Let me just start with the uh, kind of sponsor side of things, which I think is is a little bit um, unusual. I'm not saying it's it's non-existent, but I don't think that's kind of the, the popular thing. I used to always... Uh, make a joke that I would love to have corporate sponsors in teaching calculus. And I, I could just dream about saying, and now we have the chain rule brought to you by Coca-Cola. <laughs> uh, so so I don't know about that. But the notion of promotion, uh, whether it's self-promotion or otherwise, I think is interesting. And I'm not convinced how new that is. Oh, now what but, do you mean? Well, I mean, I think that, that people have promote, been promoting things that are important to them for, for generations. I wrote this down as you were talking. The, the main task mm-hmm. is to teach and do research. And I don't know if I even like that phrase in the sense that uh, I hope that my colleagues 
who are uh, in education and are in fields of, of interest are doing it because they have a passion and a drive and see an importance in their work, both in the classroom as educators and mentors for individuals who are still trying to um, challenge themselves how to see the world and, and think in a more effective, better way, but also moving their frontiers of their arts or their fields forward. So this idea of being a task, I never see it that way. Well, and I think, you know, for folks can tell from themselves when they read the column, but I'm remembering one thing that stands out to me is the professor was citing examples of, you know, when classes were under-enrolled at certain institutions, mm-hmm. professors were encouraged to put up posters for the classes or contact previous students to try to get them to enroll in the classes and sort of, I think, had a feel of working that side of things more than just the pure kind of joy of the academic pursuit. Right. But but I think that's fair. And I have no problem with that. And I encourage that. Be, but it shouldn't be because of an existential question about whether you'd have a job or not, but it should be about I am passionate about this particular suite of ideas or this set of human knowledge, and I believe there is power and there is import to have other people embrace it too. And if it happens to not be in fashion today, then I've got to go out and I've got to promote the thing that I'm passionate about, but not in a Machiavellian way because I need to get a paycheck, but because this is important to me. And that's the difference. So I do believe in promoting, I promoted math. You know, there used to be Math Awareness Week. Now there's Math Awareness Month. I think it's April. Uh, And I used to go out and I used to do crazy things. Like what? I I sent out students in my class to grocery stores to pass out like stickers saying I love math. I mean, it was crazy. I used to have I used to make stickers that would say math is radical and it would have a square root. You know, (laughs) I mean, it was a total nerdy thing to do. But and it wasn't because I was interested in my career or my job or myself. But I believed the world is a better place if more people embrace the ideas of mathematical thinking. And I think to have that passion, especially when it pushes against cultural norms or current interests. And if you look right now, I'll tell you that, you know, the humanities uh, get hit pretty bad, right? A lot of people talk about, you know, what do you do with an English degree or why bother studying this or that? And, and you and I know that, of course, is ridiculous. But if we don't have a narrative that combats that, then, then that's going to be the narrative that's out there. So I think we need to promote things, but we shouldn't be promoting it because it's self-serving. We should be promoting it because we genuinely believe it. So I think uh, Professor Williams is feeling some pressure to do it for different sets of reasons that you're describing. I want to just read you a couple more sentences and get a reaction to those. So he goes on to write later in the column, the conventional standards, teaching classes well, publishing in reputable journals or with academic presses no longer are enough. Now, these are his words. You do not exist unless you fire up your personal publicity machine. The adage seems to be morphing from publish or perish to promote or perish. Well, you know, the same thing is said with regards to mathematics. Uh, when you try to make mathematics interesting or um, alluring to people, sometimes you'll have a math professor say, well, you know, why are you doing all of this stuff? The mathematics sings on its own and that's enough. Well, it sings to that person, but what about a person who hasn't been exposed or can't appreciate that or can't appreciate that song of mathematics? 
I, I do believe that there is room to show enthusiasm. And, and there are practical, I mean, I, I don't disagree uh, with the author, uh, Dr. Williams, that there are practical realities. If no one is taking the classes in a field, uh, that field will eventually go away when, in fact, the competing pressures for other fields uh, where there is interest uh, start to force. So that's a reality. But that is not why I would ever think about doing something like this. I think that if we joyfully put forth our subjects and our ideas and our areas and do so in a compelling way, that shouldn't be looked on as, as a negative thing, but it should be looked on as, as part of our job of being a pure educator, which is to bring people to want to engage with our fields of interest. So that pr- phrase, promotional intellectual, feels okay to you. I think it may just feel funny to some to some folks who came up in an academic area maybe that is used to more attention and they don't have to promote it and I'm saying promoting yeah, quotes sure. or didn't feel like they needed to sort of do that kind of work but have a feeling you know it's not unlike I think some journalists have a similar feeling especially those of us who are perhaps a bit on the older end of the spectrum before <laughs> social media right. you know we did our work and it was out there and people consumed it but now with Twitter and Facebook and stuff, there's more pressure to make sure you're on all the platforms where people are, and that can feel promotional to some folks. Well, the, the promotional aspects have changed, and, and it, we've discussed this. I mean, I'm not a big fan. I'm on Twitter, and that's the only thing I do, and, and that really is just to engage with, with students who are using my videos for the most part. And now that I'm presenting, uh, I use it as a, as a tool for that. But, but no, I'm not on Facebook, and I don't do any of that stuff. So, so it has changed, but I would argue that when you're standing in front of a classroom and you're trying to give an interesting lecture or try to lead a compelling discussion, isn't that promotion? I think of a kind, yes. So I would say that the promotional norms might be changing over time, and that's fair. And whether that's good, bad, or indifferent, uh, that's something to be debated and discussed. And, and it's an opinion that different, different good people can have different opinions. But yeah, the reality is that now... You know, if you're a a person maybe coming up for tenure, and this is, again, I'm so old that I can't appreciate this. I mean, do you have to be tweeting out your most recent theorem if you're a mathematician or your most recent observation if you're a political scientist uh, so that the world sees that? Uh, That I I can't really speak to that because that is so far, you know, beyond where I am in in terms of just my antiquity. But so, but this always changes. I mean, I think these, these norms do change. But when you're in the classroom and you're trying to inspire a student, I would argue whether you like it or not, that is some form of promotion. Well, so here's a question. Let's do a little role play and think a little bit more about this promotional idea. This can't be good. So let's pretend that you are on a search committee. Okay. I don't know if the president is ever sitting on a search committee. Perhaps not. No, but but, but I interview all candidates. But you interview all candidates. So I do read the material. So let's say you've got a candidate in the office. It's a promising candidate for a, we'll say, history teaching position at Southwestern. Okay. Do you consider it part of the evaluation of that candidate to look at, say, their social media presence, like look at their Twitter feed, have somebody look on Facebook or Instagram (laughs) to sort of see how they are comporting themselves out on social media, whether it's promotional, you know, promoting their own work or otherwise. Well, I'd rather answer that just as an individual rather than as president, if that's okay, because because I don't want to come out with an official stance. Right. Uh, But personally, uh, in terms of their scholarly footprint, no. This would have very little impact to me personally. However, I would like to know uh, if that person is 
is a person who's putting out things that might be disconcerting in terms of the community as to the intellectual community of that particular uh, uh, institution. And in that case, yeah. And I will say that that not in academic appointments, but in in other staffing appointments, um, people have gone on and looked uh, along social media, and sometimes they found things that just raised the question, uh, will this person be a good fit or not? And that didn't preclude that person from going forward, but it did mean that the questions that we would ask would be questions to try to understand better uh, why did we see some things that, that raised some flags for us. So, so I think that, you know, look, getting information is good. So if there's information out there, we should want to engage with it. From a scholarly point of view, as a mathematician or if I were a historian, uh, I think, and maybe this is my own you know, ancient age, that would be less relevant. I'd like to see what are the experts in that individual's field saying about that individual? What has that individual produced? Where has that uh, individual produced that work? Where has that individual uh, spoken? At what conferences and whatnot? And to me, that is a, the more traditional measure that I'm comfortable with in assessing that. All right. So I'm not always comfortable with the puzzler, but it's time. And I know it's time for a new one. So you're lay it always, on us. You're always comfortable with the puzzlers. You're just being so modest. <laughs> I've got a a fun classic one here okay. that I thought would be kind of oh, neat. Oh, good. So, so here's the puzzler right. for the week. All right. So you, Jennifer Staten, okay. are trapped in a room. I'm not sure I like how this one no, starts, no, but fine. keep going. It's All right. Fine. I'm trapped in a room. I've drawn my room. Here it is. You've okay. got some water. This is you're my fine. room. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Very good. And uh, there are two doors okay. that will allow you to exit from that room. Okay. Okay. Beyond, behind one door uh-huh. is another room that's made solely of glass. And, and actually, the, the convexity of the glass basically makes them almost like magnifying type glasses. Okay. Okay. You follow me? Yes. And so when uh, anything is put in, moves into or is put into that room because of the incredible sunshine, uh, that magnifies and that thing instantly burns to a singe immediately. Ah, okay. You follow me? Yes. Okay. So that blazing hot sun kind of just will fry anything. Okay. Now, through the second door, there's merely a fire-breathing dragon. Okay. <laughs> That's all. Okay. And the question is, uh, how do you escape? All right. So there's a room, Go two ahead. doors to exit. Please. One door it's takes It's funny you... how you draw them. So you drew them on, on adjacent uh, walls. Yeah. I thought them as being opposite walls when I visualized Well, and they it. may be. I think I just- It I doesn't was, matter, of Yeah, course. signifying yes. two. Right? So one takes you into an all-glass room- where the, the burning lenses, sun, right, magnifies. anything is instantly burned to a singe. Right, to the a other crisp. one, there's a fire-breathing dragon. Correct. And I'm supposed to pick which one. Well, you want to escape. You don't like being in this room. No. Yeah. Okay. And so that's the puzzle. All right. Isn't I that like fun? that one. It is fun. It's got a little sort of I will tell you know, you that science fiction-esque vibe to it. May I, I just want to say, so, so this, is, this is not my puzzle. Okay. okay? Uh, but when I uh, first uh, was confronted with this, I'm very proud to say that I figured out the answer. Good for you. Yeah, okay. Very quickly. So I'm just trying to show off now. Okay. Well, and, and I will. You know. So it is doable. Even I could figure this one out. <laughs> and so you have a week to think about well, it. Well, I was going to say I have not figured it out very quickly because I haven't figured it out yet. Although I figured it out almost instantly. Well, see, I haven't. So. 
I will work on that and get back to you next week then you. With, with what I think is the solution. Thank you. So just to return to our topic of this concept of the promotional intellectual, you know, students that you're encountering now in higher education, students who are in high school, even in elementary school, they are coming of age intellectually only with the tools of social media. They don't know a time when that didn't exist. Right. And they don't know a time without smartphones. They That's don't right. really know a time without tablets. So right. I'm wondering if down the road, you know, you're expressing a fair amount of comfort with the idea of, you know, promoting scholarly work and getting people excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if the time will come when, you know, nobody feels uncomfortable with it because it's just that kind of promotion is just part of the norm because we will have new folks entering academia who have grown up with that as always a part of their learning experience. Yeah, and I think that's that's right. And that whether you call it evolution or, or devolution, whatever, uh, it, it's it's just the kind of flow of, of humanity. And we're very comfortable with having engaged classroom experiences, which is it's a form of promotion. And you could imagine that as technology eclipses more and more of our lives, that we will see it feed into there. How it's going to look, I think, is an open question. Will it look like what we're seeing today? My own guess, and again, I'm, I'm a dinosaur here, uh, is, is probably not. I think there are probably more thoughtful and more effective ways of communicating important ideas that are exciting to you that you offer the world so that it might excite me ac- across the globe. Uh, I don't think we're doing that now. And and one thing that was mentioned in the article is this notion of self-promotion, which I think is really a different thing. It's one thing to say, you know, in, in my case, I love math and I, I want everyone to, you know, to appreciate math, even if you don't love it, versus I want everyone to love Ed Berger. And 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 so, you know, again, it's my own personal opinion that I'm I'm less... Uh, um, interested in that, which I don't think serves the kind of greater good as much as saying, look, here's a suite of ideas that I've spent a lifetime learning. Let me share the joy of it with you and the power of it with you versus, hey, here I am. Let me tell you how awesome I am, which is different. And I think that kind of sort of self-promotion is what the author of the column was feeling pressure to do, I'm going to say, these are my words, not the author's, but kind of a market pressure to individually promote oneself and one's work, whether it's for, you know, looking for another job or trying to get an article published or maybe get invited to a conference. I think it was that exact thing that you're describing that really was hitting home. And there there are all sorts of of issues here about uh, a bias and perception, even in terms of of gender. You hear people talking about, you know, well, is is this gender more likely to actually self-promote than that gender? And and I, I think there's some real questions there. So that becomes problematic if you're kind of looking down uh, that rabbit hole. If you're focusing on the the discipline or the art of the thing, then I hope it would be less problematic. Ed Berger, you're never problematic. For I'm us. always problematic. <laughs> never problematic. <laughs> Thank you. Dr. Ed Berger is president of Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas. You can find out more at southwestern.edu. And you can keep your brain busy by keeping up with the news and other episodes of Higher Ed at KUT.org. You can also find us on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jennifer Staten, KUT News.